Dear Mr. Vernon, we accept the fact that we had to sacrifice a whole Saturday in detention for whatever it was we did wrong. But we think you're crazy to make us write an essay telling you who we think we are. And you see us as you want to see us. In the simplest terms, with the most convenient definitions. But what we found out is that each one of us is a brain. And an athlete. And a basket case. A princess. And a criminal. Does that answer your question? Sincerely yours, The Breakfast Club. Don't, don't. What's up, everybody? We are back. Welcome to Real Chronicles, brought to you by RealTalking.com. I am your host, David. I am joined with today, Jennifer. Hey, guys. And Leo. Greetings and salutations. We are here today for a special 35th anniversary Reel It Back celebration of one of the best movies of the 1980s, The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Iconic, dude. Iconic. I think we all secretly wanted to go to detention after this movie but that's it fun fact leo we all went we went to the same high school we did there was no saturday detention in union hill well i'm fairly certain i don't think that there's any saturday detention anywhere anymore period not anymore but in the 2000s early 2000s maybe maybe we were the only school that didn't have saturday (laughs) detention did you have detention Ever, Leo? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, same yeah. here. I had detention. You and I probably had detention for the same exact reason of oh, headbands not, and, and hats. <laughs> yes. Yes. She asked, she's like, did you ever have a detention? And I'm like, yeah, like once or twice. And she's like, why? And I'm like, because I didn't want to take off my hat. Yep. And I forgot his name. Super Mr. Mario. Velasco. Super Mario. Mr. Mr. Velasco would always yep. stop me and tell me, take off your hat. And when he saw me the second time in the afternoon... Detention. It's super funny because like I've been um I I've been telling Jenny and David um so I started substitute teaching recently at the high school so I'm seeing a lot of like the teachers that David and I had back back when we were students and like uh, some of the students that I'm teaching you know they have some discipline issues and I just remember like um them asking oh you know were you ever in trouble when you were in school and I'm having to admit the fact yeah you yeah. know what I mean I wasn't a bad kid but I definitely had detention and I definitely had issues with the vice principal and it was all because I refused to take off my headband and or do rag. Yeah, man. <laughs> we literally <laughs> suffered through the same thing. Jen? I didn't have detention. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I was a good student. Um, so were we. Just You know, I think like the rules. worst maybe infraction was the fact that like I didn't, so we had these really ugly, I went to an all-girls Catholic high school, and so we had these really ugly, like, brown uniform shoes we had to wear, and you could wear, obviously, like, you could leave your shoes in your locker and bring other shoes, like, when you were coming in, so I had, like, my white Air Forces, and sometimes you just wouldn't change out of them, and that maybe that was the worst case, you just had to, like, go back and change, but, like, I never got detention. Um, but to answer your question, there is actually, there are some high schools that do do Saturday detention still, still. So, um, one such high school is actually in Hillsborough, New Jersey. Oh, shoot. So fun fact, Saturday detention is three hours on a Saturday morning from nine to 12 PM has to be assigned on their assigned Saturday and students are not permitted to communicate with each other, listen to music, snack, sleep, or use any electronic devices. So So basically (laughs) they go 80s retro. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They also must arrive on time and bring sufficient schoolwork or appropriate reading materials to occupy three hours. I feel like if I'd be allowed to read like I would just read my book. So to this be would fair, not phase me, guys. The, the people that this wouldn't phase probably won't go to detention. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> actually, yeah. I guess that's true. Because I can legitimately see Jenny, Stacy, Adrian enjoying detention because they get to read quietly. Not us. No, we'd be like, what? No, I just I wouldn't. Like, no. Stacks of comic books. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to like bring my Kindle, so I guess I would just have to carry the hardcover. <laughs> I can see you. I can see you, Leo, sitting down in detention. With a comic book in one hand, a pen in the other, and writing down how the movies differ from the comics Absolutely. and how angry you are about it. I will, yeah, I will angrily pen letters to um, all the <laughs> studios and like, how dare you change the movie from the comic? Alrighty, so before we get to the Breakfast Club, let's go over some little bit of news. Uh, first one is uh, Tom Holland reveals Uncharted set to start shooting in four weeks. I, yay. There's no director. <laughs> 
apparently um who needs there you know what the, the academy awards don't need hosts movies don't need directors apparently the one that is in talks is <laughs> ruben fleischer he directed the zombieland films and venom hmm. this movie's gonna be so bad wait zombieland zombieland one, one was is good. really good i did see zombieland 2 emma stone is emma stone that's all you need to know <laughs> and um we saw Venom and Venom is it fine. It was okay. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I don't it think was as middle of the line road movie mm-hmm. as you can get. So, I I don't know. Meh. It's Tom Holland. I don't know. He doesn't always do good stuff. Yeah. I'm down. I'm still down. For Tom, I'm down. And then the other bit of news is the upcoming Planet of the Apes is to a complete reboot. Why? Why? Yes. We don't need this. We have the classic films. At least the first three are pretty decent. Unfortunately, we have the Tim Burton ones, That's too. That's true. We have that one. <laughs> was that one film or was that I three also? One. They only one. Oh, okay. It was only Lord. one. Thank God. And then, like, these that are what? These are all Matt Reeves, right? Two Matt Reeves. And okay. I forgot the director of the first one. But um, but these are one great. One of the best like, trilogies. In my top ten trilogies of all time, yeah, I think I think yeah, solid trilogy. And then, so another reboot. What more I don't know can who's we say? Out there saying, Wait, are we that old now that there are reboots of reboots of reboots? This is the fourth reboot. <laughs> what Ooh, the? That's a nice clip for later. <laughs> it's crazy, right? This is the fourth. We reboot. are that old. I don't wow. know. I don't know where there's a line outside forming studios, especially Disney, saying we want another Planet of the Apes. Now, hear me out. What if this is a rebooted sequel to the Tim Burton one? The craziness <laughs> of that may be worth watching. I mean, I love Tim that Burton. Movie so. That movie fucking so, garbage. Does that mean Marky Mark is coming back? Is oh, that Marky Mark? For the love of God, yeah, it is. I yeah, think so. That right? movie's so bad. Someone get Christian on the phone right now, right now and let him know that this is happening. Go get him a Whataburger. <laughs> that movie's so bad. So I. So it's I a reboot. Know, I it's get. a reboot. All right. All right. Speaking of Matt Reeves, he uh, last week he revealed Batman. First look at Batman. Looks the great. Batman. The Batman. We have to be specific with these. Absolutely. Uh, the internet went mild. They some loved it, some liked it, some hated it. Um, a photo released today of the stuntman mm-hmm. in full cowl and costume. A lot of people think it's awful, but Leo, I showed you yeah. off the line that. That's a stuntman costume. Mm-hmm. It may look to the naked eye right now that it is going to be the final costume. But if you see Ben Affleck's stunt double and Christian Bale's stunt double, those costumes are hot garbage. And it may be one of those suits that are given to them. So they, when you're the naked eye can't see you mm-hmm. going, you're not going to notice a difference. And it's more for comfort than actual yeah. Style. And I think even the aesthetic of the suit, when I first saw the picture, I was a little like, this looks more like a like a cosplayer we would see at Comic-Con more than like a movie version of, a, of the suit. Um, but like what it uh, what it actually what it reminded me of is remember in um, in everyone's favorite Batman iteration, um, the Dark Knight, was it um, Batman versus Superman where they have the uh, the the nightmare scene where like he's wearing like a trench coat? Oh, you mean the movie you prefer over the Dark Knight Rises? Yes, the eighth best Batman iteration oh of our life. God. Uh, no, but remember in that scene where he's wearing like a trench coat and the, the Batman suit underneath, but it's I, not like full Batman suit? Yeah. So, so I like that. So it looked cool. Yeah. That's what this picture reminded me of was like okay. the like some of the Batman like cowl. Like um, he's missing a trench coat. Yes. Yeah. It looked cool. It looked gritty. I won't lie. I actually really, really like that. It looked cool. It looked yeah. gritty and like realistic. Um, I mean, like, look, if it wasn't for you showing me the pictures of the other stunt doubles and how terrible they looked, I'd been like, be more, I'd be, yeah, I'd be more worried, but it's and cool. And then um, we also had on the, on the Instagram a Batman chin challenge. We did. Uh, yeah, I, our I, pets I, made the finals. <laughs> what, I mean, but legitimately, like he should have. I think. You think he had the best chin over Affleck? Affleck had a solid chin. The final, but our Pats, I think, is top three. Well, he finished number two. He because did because Michael Keaton to the Keaton to the, to the shock of no one finished number one. He did. Keaton got sixty eight percent, and our Pats got thirty two percent. But good for our Pats. So you think it was really finals. about chins here? Really, just more nostalgia for people no. when they voted. Keaton has the best chin. Done and the best abs. I would have put Affleck, and he didn't have to work out to get that at abs. all. Jen, you were saying about our pets? 
Oh no, that I would have put Keaton. Like I thought Affleck was had the better chin out of all over of our pads. Yeah, yeah, but and not, over Keaton. No, stop. Just stop. <laughs> stop that nonsense. <laughs> Alrighty, so that covers all the news today. Unless you guys have anything else. No, no. Oh, did you guys have a comment about um, our commander in chief sh- shitting on Parasite? <laughs> no, that's no. I'm not shocked. No. You know what the shock? I'm the not whole thing shocked. Was? The shock for me was that it took him 11 days. It to did. It took him a while. It took him a while. Maybe his brain was that. Do you process. truly think he watched it? No, I don't think he watched it. They and probably the, put it no. on and he turned it right off. And not surprising thing out of this whole com- the whole situation was that. He went and referenced one of the most racist backwards movies of all time. And I like Gone with the Wind, but I fully All understand. while making racist mo- remarks on South Korea. <laughs> yeah, because I, I like Gone with the Wind, but yeah, I fully re- understand that it has some... Yeah, racial undertones are Racial crazy, undertone and glorified yeah. perception of the old South. And ooh, that's not the it's movie. it's like it's the equivalent of liking Dumbo, the original animated movie. Like you have to acknowledge oh, there's yeah. straight up racism, racism here. <laughs> and then it hurt me when he brought up Sunset Boulevard. I'm like, no, don't put that in. The I think oh, did boring. he? I yeah, didn't hear he that. Said that. He said Gone with the Wind and yeah, Sunset Boulevard. Oh, Sunset Boulevard is a great movie. Though. I don't know. I'm fairly certain like his speechwriter added movies into these movies yeah. that he's never even he's seen. He's like, what movies came out in the 30s and 40s and yeah, 50s? No. I'm going to name them. I don't think he's and ever I seen any. And I will book it. He's never seen Parasite. I think the only movie he's seen are the movies he's in. So that would be Home Alone 2? Yeah. Probably rewatches that all the time. There you go. So yeah, I guess that's n- no disagreements on there. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. He's an idiot. So... I also want to point out for anyone listening that you guys, David, actually published um, his predictions for year in advance for Best Picture, which he actually um, gave us at last week's episode. So definitely he put them up on the site. Yeah, so definitely be sure to check them out yeah, and Mank. just keep up uh, on the progress. And let's see how many he gets right this year. I'm predicting three. Three is a good number. Okay. Got so four you, last I got time. four last year, but I think three is a respectably good number. I feel confident with Mank and I feel confident with West Side Story. Those are the two that I feel. Not the French Dispatch? It depends. The the Academy loves West, but if this is more... At the very least, it'll get probably production. If this is more Isle of Dogs and not Grand Budapest. Good point. So it may be... Depends on where it is. Okay. But production design, I think it's easy. And cinematography is an easy nomination. Those two I feel very confident about. So... And... I feel somewhat confident on Tenet. Yeah. I'm just excited for Tenet. Are you tired of Christopher Nolan no. releasing trailers that doesn't tell us anything about the movie? <laughs> oh, I'm never tired. You're like, no, 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 not tired. <laughs> you started the question, are you tired of Christopher Nolan? No. You think you're not tired of like him releasing trailers and not giving us anything on the trailers? No. Because oh. I, I, mean, I think like we've gone to dependent in trailers. I just want to know what it's about. I don't want to know That's what it's all about. I need, I'd rather be pleasantly. Like, think about it this way. Like when you described Parasite to me, right? Oh, I did tell you. You even told it. me you yeah, couldn't tell me anything true. about it. True. And that enhanced the experience of watching the movie. I guess you're right. That's true. Good point. So yeah, so we'll see how I do in twelve months. Here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> I really do feel like Bill Belichick. Dude, you it's yeah, you have to I, like I, rest. I actually started doing my best actor. You like, can't. <laughs> like I have Gary Oldman winning. But I also have Joaquin nominated. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, he has another one coming in. He's not going to win. I guarantee you, if he gets nominated, he will never, you'll never see him at another award show again. <laughs> Unless it's the Oscars. That's it. I retire. He's going to win if he, if he, and he'll not campaign. So, but yeah, you may get an Oscar best actor prediction in the next few weeks. <laughs> Jeez, bro. Jeez. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to while we're here today. Let's look back at the Breakfast Club 35 years last Saturday. Wow. Was it Saturday or Sunday? One of those days. Um, Officially February 15th. So f- about five Saturday. days ago from when oh, that was we're a recording Valentine's this day now. Movie? So by the time Tuesday comes around, it'll be a little over a week. Yeah, so that was over a, a week. So that was a Valentine's movie back in 85. Yep. Yep. Wow. And then some of the production notes that I have here is that John Hughes said his that his his request to direct the film was met with resistance and skepticism because he lacked filmmaking experience. Wow. He wanted that to be the first movie he directed, but because they were a little hesitant, his first one was Pretty in Pink. Another classic. Or was it 16 Candles? Can you double check that? Another classic. Let's double check. 
Fun fact. So his first first film before this or just first film? Before um, Breakfast Club. Because I don't think he had, he didn't have a hit. But you're saying either. 16 Candles. 16, 16 candles was before pretty Breakfast or Club. Or Breakfast Club. Jeez, man. Yeah. So 16 Candles came out before. And then his budget was a million dollars. The only reason his budget was so low is because it convinced the film investors to get to allow him to make the movie, which is pretty crazy that it only cost him to make a million dollars. Uh, principal photography began on March 28, 1984 and ended in May. Hmm. Filming took place at Maine North High School in De Plains, Illinois, which had closed in 1981. So the school had closed. And oh, they, wow. They probably... Unless they actually, if it was an open school, they probably would have filmed on a Saturday. <laughs> so, how ironic. Uh, the same setting was used for the interior scenes of Puget's 1986 film, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Wow. Which fe- featured exterior shots from nearby Glenbrook North High School. The library at Maine North High School, considered too small for the film, prompted the crew to build the set in the school's gymnasium. Oh, wow. So, that's pretty cool. Um... On the Ferris Bueller's Day Off commentary featured on the 2004, 2004 DVD version, Hughes revealed that he shot the two films concurrently to save time and money, and some outtakes of both films features elements of the same film crews working on another film. So you filmed Ferris and Breakfast Club at the same Simultaneously. time. Simultaneously. Yeah. Dang. Pretty cool. Budget-wise, cost a million dollars, made $51.5 million at the box office. Hmm. So, decent amount of money. Yeah, I mean, especially back then, too. So. Yep. All right, so now here comes the fun stuff. We did the production. We're going to introduce some new categories to the to these real bats. Yes. The first one, we're going to look at the trophy room. The Breakfast Club trophy room is very bare. <laughs> it won no Oscars, no Kids' Choice Awards, no People's Choice Awards. The only thing it has... Is a 2005 MTV Movie Award and a um, Silver Bucket of Excellence Award. So that's pretty much all it has. Wow. Well, dang. Huh. I mean, I'm not surprised. But yeah. That, that seems like a screenplay nom today. If this movie came out today, I think it'd get a screenplay. Screenplay? Yeah. Actually, that Silver Bucket of Excellence Award is from the oh, is MTV from the Movie Awards. Ooh, so that's all it has. It is a special oh. award presented only to the 1985, the Breakfast Club. It's the only winner. Oh, so it's not like an award that they kept going no. after? Nope. No, that's it. Oh, shoot. Okay. Interesting. Thank that you, is MTV. All. So it felt like a participation award <laughs> in a way. Meh. Yeah. So the trophy room is kind of bare for them. Now... Let's get into what's age best and what's age worst. And what's age best for me is the final scene where they reveal different aspects of their lives to each other. I mean, I think that should be everyone's. I don't yeah, think. dude. Is that yours too? Yeah, I think so. I think, you know. It still works very well today. I put that in the uh, the high school hierarchy. Like just the different roles everyone fits in high school. You're trying to find yourself and how you still end up finding your own kind of click to it. And that there's still like a like alpha males and betas and like, yeah, that age pretty well. Jen. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think that especially that ending scene, I think the way he opens up the movie and then he talks, you know, it all connects back into like, you sort of like get into them where they're strangers and then they keep, you know, you start to learn more and more about them, what brought them there, how different they are, but then they realize how alike they really are and what they're feeling. And then just that ending where they're sort of just telling the guy like, we know who we are and this is who it is and you can't change us or you can't tell us who we are and you should stop trying. I think something that John Hughes, he's one of my favorite directors mainly because like he, he knew how to speak. I, I only wish he made more movies. He got an opportunity to make more movies, but like, I think he spoke very well to teenagers and, and about teenagers and almost listening to their feelings. And even just the fact that, um, I would even say he was like a Mr. Rogers for teenagers. Like he wow. just understood them so well. And it, and you see that all across all of his films. Mm-hmm. And I think the way he ties up everything um, is great. So like that ending for me is like at the top. Yeah. That's cool. I think you've said Thank that you. so eloquently too. Like it's, Thank I, you. Yeah. Like he's in all the movies. They're all coming of age movies and they're all very different from each other. But yeah. they all speak to like some semblance of like how we grew up. 
And like just to drop it real quick, my favorite John Hughes movie is Some Kind of Wonderful, which was actually wow. created when he didn't get the ending that he had originally wanted in Pretty in Pink. What? So he decided to write it and then do the ending the way he originally wanted to do. So Interesting. Dope. Now, this, we hit, we praised the movie. I have What age the worst? I have three things here. For age the worst. Yeah, so Yeah, I got like three. I got three things. Mine are silly though. My, yours are what? Silly. Mine's are not. Mine's are, <laughs> mine are seriosis osmosis. Here we go. The first one is what's age worse is Claire Sushi. I have that too. There is no way that you get there at 8 a.m. and you eat lunch at 12 and that sushi is sitting there for four hours and that room does not stink to high <laughs> heavens. That is... Awful. Wait, but what she what she got was a California roll. Like it, it was like a very basic. It almost looked like sashimi. Like it was like put yeah. in pieces. I feel like she took it out in a bento box that she put on the desk. But like, how do we know she didn't have like a cooler with like a freezer pack in she there? She would. She was a princess. She would, and her mom probably packed it and gave it to her, and Not she probably had it. it, and it was underneath. The I desk. am so kicking out it. that you also have sushi Not on your age the worst. That's fantastic. Now we get to the more serious stuff. Um, I think aging worse than Claire's sushi. Is Allison's transformation. Ooh. So I think that rather than keeping her her unique look and individualism, I think that they made her pretty much another Claire. Okay. I think they could have done the makeup part and keep her outfit the same. Okay. I think when they dressed her in that pink shirt or whatever that she was wearing, I think I'm like, all right, so you're just becoming another conventional girl from the high school type of thing. Okay. I don't like that, especially with... It sends it could send mixed signals, and Ali Sheedy also did not like that either. Oh! In an interview in the documentary that I saw after the movie, I was like, "Oh, good. I'm glad that she feels the same way I feel." She was like, she was cool with the makeup, and John Hughes had to convince her to do it. She didn't want to do it because she felt like she was selling out in a way. So they convinced her to do it, but she just felt bad about like she was betraying the character in a way. That makes sense. So that was one. And the other one is, I'm surprised Jenny didn't say one word about this, the insane sexual harassment that goes on <laughs> in this movie. Yes. I think you know where I'm going with this. Yes. All right. At one point in the movie, Jenny's favorite character, Bender, ducks under the table where Claire yeah. has her legs wide open Whoa, and whoa, it's not wide, it's not wide open. open. She's wearing a skirt and, and you he see takes, her underwear. She's yes, sitting he comfortably. He takes a peek and he violates her. Yes. That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm but, right. it, but she wasn't like sprawled yeah, out she forward. Wasn't like, like, it was like she was comfortable and he happened to. Yeah. So he it's implied that he touches her inappropriately. Bender sexually harasses Claire throughout the film. And when he's not sexually harassing her, he takes out his rage on her with vicious contempt. And he's always calling her pathetic, not hashtag me too at all. Yeah. So those are my three things that have aged the worst. Cool. Uh, yeah, solid ones. I have the sushi as well. Mine was a different take on it. Mine was um, back then, Bender didn't even know what it was. Like, he's like, what the heck is that? Everyone knows what sushi Everyone is nowadays. Right? So it's like, nowadays, it's like it, our society has evolved so much now that even these like bougie things back then are well known now. Um, the, um, I also have, so it was a one-liner, but, um, principal, uh, Vernon. Yeah. Principal Vernon mentions how much money he makes. How much does he make? He makes $31,000 a year. He's the AP, right? Yeah. So he's, uh, I think he's, I think either he's, 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 uh, he's about to, which is brings me to the other thing that's aged pretty badly. Um, him attacking a student, threatening to fight him. (laughs) (laughs) But during that scene when he's talking to Bender and trying to fight Bender, he tells him, he's like, who, 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 they're not going to believe you. You're a scumbag. I'm a principal. I'm respected. I make $31,000 a year and I own a house. And I'm like, huh? well, kudos to Vernon owning a house at $31,000. Wow. <laughs> Just to give you a little backdrop, that $31,000 in 1985 is about $74,322.50 in 2020. There it Seems is. legit. So with Seems inflation, it's it's doable. You could own, you could potentially own a house. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. It was like dropping that number. And it's like, if you watch that movie now, you're like, <laughs> you're like I make more than you. <laughs> and I'm not an AP. <laughs> I won't lie. That was my starting salary. Yeah. I think I started it's at 30. It's different times. Around like 30. Yeah. 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 When different I first times. Working. 
Jen? Um, so I think, um, so I think one of the, the main things that really hasn't aged well is almost the fact that in the current climate that we are in now, a lot of the crimes that they did would not have just gotten them detention. They would have gotten arrested for it. Oh my or gosh. Yeah. Worse. She's right. Well, because so pulling a fire alarm yeah, you, that's true. is bad. <laughs> Taping a guy's butts together. And yeah. then when the tape rips off, it like that's assault. now. Yeah. That's assault. That's full on. I mean, it was assault then, but it's really assault now. And uh, a gun in his locker, regardless that it's oh, a, he would have, regardless yeah, yeah, it's a flare true. gun. That is true. But a gun in your locker, oh, right? No. And so like, no, he would gotten killed. He would have gotten killed. By I the didn't cops think about that until like I really started diving deep, and I'm like, no, you're right because like no matter what it would have been, like imagine someone just called and was like, there's a gun in his yeah. locker. It would have incited like a full on like it wouldn't have been a matter that they the janitor because I, I think it was Carl that that found it. Right, that oh, reported it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wouldn't have been just the janitor. It would have been like a whole bomb That's squad coming really in just call. to be yeah, like, "Wow, you're right. These things would have gotten these kids like, yeah, like time, <laughs> actual time, or some kind of like so I probation." Assume they would have all gotten expelled. Um, well, maybe you know what? Maybe not. Um, maybe not Emilio Estevez because he's an athlete. And you know how schools protect oh, yeah. athletes. Yep. Yeah, but they either, still do that. But that's a really solid call out, though. I forget. Yeah, dang. Um. Then I guess like the. The other main thing would kind of just be like their insults haven't necessarily dated well. Like I feel like people would be uh, there maybe is the more F-bomb. aggressive now to people if they really wanted. And I think you it can go into more like bullying territory, although there were obviously bullying tendencies. I mean, Bender just started picking on Brian from the beginning. Yeah. Um, so I think that has an age well. And then the other thing would be kind of like just the romantic ending because, you know, it's an 80s movie. It's a John Hughes movie. You also want to close up the story and you want to like end on a high note and what brings a high note. But like romance. relationship forms and romance. Right. But is it realistic anyway? So, right. Like they gonna, just the I next was, day they weren't going to. I was going to add probably this be to together. the legacy of the movie and just final thoughts. But I'll say this part now. I think that movie is, has a very depressing ending because. Oh, it's very open ended, though. I don't think it's open ended at all. So you, so okay, well, I, I personally I, think that, and I think I've said this years. I think two days. the first time I saw this movie was because of Jen, because I actually you had never seen it before. I had never that? seen it. Like, I mean, it's not. I didn't avoid it on purpose. It just I gotcha. never got to yeah. it. You're welcome. Um, and I love it. He should marry you for this, by the way. I should. He should. Um. But, like, I think that Monday morning, there is no way that Claire's talking to Allison. There is no way that that mm-hmm. Bender is talking to any of those people. Mm-hmm. He's wearing her it's one of those situations where Brian's going to be walking down the hallway and he sees... What's Emilio's character's name? I forgot. Uh, it is... Specifically wanted to use... Andrew. Him. Andrew. Mm-hmm. Walking down... He's not, they're not, he's not going to stop and have a conversation with Andrew. They're not going to have lunch together. He's, he could nod in the hallway and little, give, give a little head bob. And maybe he'll get that. Or he doesn't want to feel like he's talking to a quote-unquote outsider in front of his football buddies. Fair. Or his athlete buddy. It's all this like romant, like they're romanticizing the ending of the movie. But in reality, the closest, I will say, the closest thing that maybe could happen is that Allison and Andrew have something. Because she's kind of sold out in the end mm. to be kind of what she he wants in a girl to conform. So I think that's the only one. There's no way Claire is going to be dating Bender. And another thing, she fucking kisses him in front of her, her dad in the car. I would have gone on there and beat the <laughs> shit out of that guy. Yeah, the, dad, even the dad didn't twice. do anything like and he's like pins her against the car. Nah, and I'm fuck like, huh. But think about noise. it, right? Like their parents, a lot of them, maybe with the exception of Brian's parents who fun fact his mom and sister were uh actually filmed the scene in the opening with him that's like his real oh cool mom oh, and sister really, oh, wow. yeah um they wouldn't have cared like none of their parents cared what they did like that was another big issue why they had all of these feelings is because they didn't have parents that were taking such other than like you know, you have your standards that you have to live up to, or like Andrew has his meat that yeah. he can't miss because you got to live up to this. And like having all of that parental pressure also on them 
And Agreed. so, you know, so, and then also Claire is like, fuck it. So she just like didn't care. Yeah. So I will, d- and Bender doesn't I guess care. we can go deeper into it with during legacy, but I kind of, so I agree with you to an extent on mm-hmm. that, but I do believe that if Andrew saw Brian getting picked on by another wrestler, he would step in and defend him just for the fact of how he was just, just naturally defending people in that, in that library mm-hmm. without any of his boys there. But do you think they'd be friends? So that's the thing. The definition of the word friends, right? I believe I believe that if they see each other in the hallway, there will be like the head nod, right? I don't. I, I agree with you. I don't think they'll be like, "Hey, how was your weekend? Let's go hang out." Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that in high school, the head nod is that's actually even that's something. Yeah, we the, used to head Bob a lot in high school. Yeah, like to be honest, like maybe that's just an acknowledgement that you're alive. Whereas before this whole you detention, alive. they didn't even care about each other. Fair point. Fair point. Alrighty, so let's move on to some fun facts about The Breakfast Club. I have 15 here. Wow. Yeah. Alrighty. First one, Jen did her own research on this one, but I knew I was going to add it to the list anyway. So Nicolas Cage was almost Bender. (laughs) I'll let you laugh laugh on that one. Now, while that sounds funny now, (laughs) if you watch him in Valley Girl... Oh That's actually, God. I think Valley Girl was probably the same year no, yeah. as Nick Cage back this then was actually was a totally okay. 1983 Valley Girl. So this would have been two years later. Jesus, I think he could have pulled it off here. So casting director Jackie Birch spoke to the Huffington Post about it and said they were talking about Nicolas Cage. And I just felt like Judd was the perfect last ingredient. Fortunately, Hughes agreed with Birch deciding that Cage didn't have the sort of innate coolness that Judd Nelson had. Agreed. So that's would have been interesting. I would have. I don't know if I would have loved it more or hated. That was right. It more. That was right before Moonlight. Or. Do you have another fact about the the role of Bender? I got I, one more. Because I you. know who does. Go ahead. So the finalist was Judd Nelson and John Cusack, and they were originally going with Cusack, Cusack. which also would have been the say anything because I think that was actually maybe the same year, huh. and. They decided to put in Nelson before shooting began because Cusack just didn't look threatening enough for the role. Yeah, I I could kind of see that. Totally see that. Lloyd Dobler, like harassing everyone. I don't know about that. He's a lover, not a fighter. (laughs) Uh, Number two, the female cast members had a racy scene removed from the movie. So what was it, David? The original script for The Breakfast Club included a scene that many might have felt was racy. Hughes wrote a scene where the boy snuck out of the library to another room where that had a peephole that mm. looked into the women's locker room. There, they would have seen a PE teacher naked. However, Ringwald and Sheedy insisted that the scene was inappropriate, and Hughes agreed and removed it from the final take. I like it. I like that they removed it, though. That shows us some, at least some conscious decision. And they had some, like, pull. I can see, like, why John Hughes maybe included it, too, especially because, like, 80s movies in that Porky's, day. Porky's, baby, Porky. Had That's a exactly lot what went through my mind, too. Had a lot of peephole scenes and things yeah. like that. And, like, you're a teenage boy, right? So, like, what are you going to do? Look at naked women. Yeah. So, I can understand that. Um, number three, simple, Mi- simple minds almost did not sing. Don't you forget about me? No. What? Who did? The band originally turned down the chance to sing on the movie soundtrack because they didn't write the song. However, they were encouraged to go watch the movie and friends and family urged them to be, to sing the song. Really? Yeah. So it must, must've been one of those screener type of deals. Yeah. I was going to say, so they, they wrote the song specifically for the movie. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. actually pretty cool. I did not know that. Surprised it didn't win original song. <laughs> that seems like ideal original song winner damn this one surprised me it was the first of it was supposed to be the first of several movies in the franchise so they're gonna start a breakfast club i universe. could so see that so i was actually gonna bring that up before when we were talking about like the legacy of the breakfast club and like where we see them going after like coming back on a monday like yeah, yeah, did yeah. we think that maybe like a year or two later we were gonna That's see them not- like graduate or what nope. like what so was the it original idea was to make a sequel every 10 years of the same characters mm-hmm. or it just fo- of detention <laughs> same characters following them every 10 years which was done by Richard Linklater in the before sunrise the before uh sunrise trilogy yeah Int- wait so then that would so then if they would have continued with that concept that means that these characters would have had to have stayed in each other's lives yep 
Right. But there, it didn't happen because uh, Hughes didn't want to work with Nelson again. And he <laughs> and Ringwald reportedly had a falling out when they, she she decided to not do some kind of wonderful with him. Wow. So it was pettiness. Yes. <laughs> Got it. Would have been interesting, though. Every 10 years? That's interesting. They would have had to stay relevant, like you said. Yeah. And, and as we're going to get to later, not many other Oh, did. my gosh. I just realized this would have been like American Pie. Like yeah, American Pie, it, 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 American yeah. Reunion, like oh wow. Yeah, to a degree, it would have been like yeah. the same thing. And then like, would we like? But see, like, did we care enough to see where they ended up in a way? Like, I think I would have had interest after, like, for one movie maybe. But I don't know. Like, I feel like the story would have had to have been really compelling. And then eventually, we get into their kids getting Saturday detention, right? Yeah, I just wanted to see um, if we were right and they don't stay friends. <laughs> yeah, that's all I want to see. And maybe like Claire eats two-year-old sushi <laughs> all right so the next next one up is uh the final scene of the movie with them uh spilling their gut was all improvised wow that's so that, ad-libbed all ad-libbed damn so that was pretty dope um here i love this one rick moranis was originally cast as one of the key characters of the movie wait who you mean you mean the rick moranis who do you think yeah the rick moranis the non-ghostbuster rick moranis the ghostbuster non-ghostbuster non-ghostbuster rick moranis that's incredible who do you think i have it here but who do you think he was supposed to play i mean he should be playing brian for all dear lord it's gotta be brian jen any guesses i know who it is so I'm oh you do guess. yeah it was originally cast as the janitor oh okay i didn't even he wasn't even that old no, but no. you didn't have to be that old. This guy, yeah. Carl Dean, uh, I believe is, no, John Kapalos is the actor that played him. He wasn't that old. Oh, okay. All right. Next up. And this was 85. So this was what? Right gold? after Ghostbusters. Yeah. Or he was a Ghostbuster. He was not. Well, he wasn't a Ghostbuster in 84. You're right. He was a Ghostbuster in 89. All right. Next up, Emilio Estevez was originally supposed to play Bender's character. Wow. But John Hughes couldn't find anyone else who was right for Andrew. So if. Estevez ultimately played Andrew, and they went to get, and they got Judd Nelson to play Bender. Huh. I think they made the right choice ultimately. Another bit of casting news: Molly Ringwald was originally asked to play Ali Sheedy's role. That I don't think would have worked because um, she always plays a princess in all these movies. But I think that she got typecast because of it. Though. Well, Easily she's not a princess in every movie, but she, she has. Much but she has a specific look in all these movies. So, like, when you don't, when she wanted yeah. to stray and like try to do something different, she still couldn't. But like, look, you. Well, this would have been notes, cool. The notes this is in your this was they wanted her to play Allison, but she didn't want to play Allison. She uh, wanted to play Claire. Oh, she liked the fact that she was being stereotyped. Role. Okay, yep. so all right, whatever. And now a lot of now A-listers audition for The Breakfast Club. So here are some of the people that audition for The Breakfast Club. Robin Wright, Jodie Foster, and you found this one the other day. Do you remember, Jen? I do not. Laura Dern? Oh, Laura Dern, yes. Wow, Academy, Academy Award, Award winner. winner. Laura, Laura Dern. Dern. Well Got done, it. sir. Uh, they all audition for the role of Claire. Huh. Meanwhile, like Jen mentioned, John Cusack and... Nicholas Cage for Bender, which is Academy Award winning Nicholas Cage. I forgot he's an Oscar. <laughs> uh, leaving Las Vegas? Is that yeah. what it was? Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. Um, that's this one I found in my note. I, I put it in my notes, and I it's also in like a lot of lists. Do you know that John Hughes plays Brian's father at the end of the movie? He's the one that picks him up in the car. Oh, shoot. So I got it. Cameo for So he John is Hughes Alfred himself? Hitchcock. He's Hitchcock. Alrighty, um, this one Jen sh- told me, so I threw it in there. Emilio Estevez, Judd Nelson, and Ali Sheedy played high school students in The Breakfast Club, and college students in the, in a different movie the same year. So Saint three Elmo's months Fire, later, right? Saint Elmo's Fire Saint came Elmo's Fire. out. Yeah, in Pack, June baby. of '85. I've never seen it. Saint Elmo's Fire. Yeah, oh, he's dude. never seen it, and it's one of the greatest movies. Yeah, ever you should made. watch all the Brad Pack. And movies. actually, the soundtrack is like fire, also. Uh, and no Rob Lowe is. Still gorgeous, but he was gorgeous there. He's a vampire. He has not aged. You you want to see Rob Lowe? Like just just watch the movie. Uh, like I mentioned before, Hughes planned Breakfast Club to be his direct directorial debut, but he ended up going with Sixteen Candles. Next one was not all the Breakfast Clubs were cast members were in high school or high school age. Do you hmm. want to know who the oldest was? Hold on, can we guess? Yes, but it's obviously of the kids, right? We're not gonna say yeah, the principal is the, the oldest. It's not Vernon, of course. Oh, who looked the oldest? I want to say Sheedy. Okay, that's incorrect. 
I know who it is. So oh, you do? Like, yeah. I don't want to tell you. Uh, Judd Nelson. He was 26. <laughs> and then the last two. David, Ali- I said this is one of my favorite movies. <laughs> Ali Sheedy didn't speak until a third of the way through the movie. Yeah. So it took her 33 minutes of the 97 minute long film to say to say one word. So that's. I think it was a good character choice, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah like yeah, it stayed yeah. true to what. Because I remember when she first spoke, it was like, ooh. Yeah. Like, the cast and the fans are like, she's saying something. Yeah. So this was a little bit gross. Chi stood in for the snow and Ali Sheedy's hair. When she did the dandruff thing, when she made the snow. Cheese? Cheese. Huh. Probably grated cheese. It's Parmesan cheese. Sure. Yeah, Parmesan. That makes sense. Gross. Alrighty. So let's finish off with a few fun categories. Let's start with the That Guy from award uh, that is is this goes to the person in this movie that when you look at him in other movies you say oh yeah that's the guy from the breakfast club so i went with anthony michael hall the reason i went with him is because honestly i don't know anything else he was in okay and he outside of the breakfast club as more of a you know this was his close to his peak and I recently, when he was cast in Halloween Kills, I was like, oh, is that the guy from The Breakfast Club? So I literally used that exact term like a year and a half ago for him. Uh, so, but he looks way different now, too. He does. He looks different from from well, yeah. like the actual thing. Because he was also in Edward Scissorhands, Yay! which was, what, 91? Yeah, he was a bully in that one, too. He was a bully. He was super tall. Like He got like a huge growth yeah, spurt. And, and his face got bulked up. Like yep, He just looks yep. completely different. That's why I didn't put him in, my, in our next category, because he did do other things. And what's the other one? The other movie that yes. he's in? Weird Science. No. Oh. Another one? The Dark Knight? Oh, The Dark Knight, uh, yes. He's the call. news anchor. Good call. Good yep. call. So that's my... That guy? Pick, yeah. Who's your that guy? So actually that guy is the same, Anthony Michael Hall. Um, I had a hard time picking anyone else, uh, but Anthony Michael Hall. I, I was uh, I was betting between him and Sheedy. Um, I almost went with Sheedy. Sheedy was a solid pick too, but um, I think the Anthony Michael Hall thing is just because he, even though he's been in work after that, he doesn't look the same anymore. So it's like two different people. <laughs> it's like Jennifer Grey in Dirty Dancing. Like, she looks totally different now. She <laughs> I does. You, I thought you were going to say She's married to Agent Coulson. Agent Coulson. Is she really? Yeah. yeah. They're amazing. He picks her up? Like, they do dances together? <laughs> I don't think so. But no, um, the same reasons as you, though. I think Anthony Michael Hall was the that guy. Jen? Um, so my that guy award would really be Paul Gleason, Principal Vernon. Um, no, no, he was in Die Hard. Yes, yes he, he was, was in Die Hard. Yes, he was in Die Hard. But where I know him best and where I always remember him is in The Breakfast Club. The principal Club. from The Breakfast Club. The principal okay. from The Breakfast Club. Like, I feel like I love feel him, like... hate him, whatever he was, like, he was out there. And he, like, just with this one role, like, you show anyone his face. And I feel like people are going to tell you more he's from The Breakfast Club over Die Hard. I'm the other way around. Did you, uh, did you guys ever watch um, Not Another Teen Movie? Yeah. So remember, they do a scene recreating the whole library detention scene. I think he cameoed, he right? Came back See? to playing the same That's role. That's how iconic he is. And like, I think the hard part for me is that I couldn't pick any of the Breakfast Club um, members because I know them from other things. Yeah. And I have like such a love of eighties films, and yeah. And I followed their career. So like Molly Ringwald, I know like obscure things. Ali Sheedy, she was in Made to Order, which is a great movie. If no <laughs> one has ever seen okay it. Movie. Um, you don't like it? You've seen it? <laughs> yeah, I've seen You've it. You've seen it? I like, grew up with it on VHS. Is that, a, like, is that a romantic comedy? Uh, and you actually don't like it a lot? Yes and no, but there's like a great power ballad in it. It's a solid movie. It's a good movie. It's a good movie. So there's that, right? And then, um, you know, all of them. Judd Nelson. There was even this like TV murder movie he was in where yeah. he played a serial killer. I can't remember, but it was like underwater and he had these bodies. I don't know. It was great movie and then like obviously Emilio Estevez you know from everything else quack quack including quack, his father quack, quack. Yeah, and, uh, and his brother and his brother but I'm more on the I'm less Charlie Sheen fan than I am the two of them and then um and then Anthony Michael Hall I know him from other things so I felt like for me Paul Gleason that is my that guy all righty next up we have the Detlef Shrimp Award Detlef Shrimp the six man of the movie. What does that mean, listeners? 
the best supporting player in the film. Yeah, so he's an integral part of this. He's not the leader. Nope. He's not not the alpha. Nope. But without him, this movie falls apart. Yep, and you know where I went? I didn't go with any of the Breakfast Club. I didn't go. Who did you pick? I went with Carl. Oh, the janitor. The janitor. The janitor. I think he's so funny when he's in the movie, and I feel like his interaction with the students at Vernon was a nice way of bringing both sides together because you're able to see him have quote unquote deep ch- talks with um with Vernon. Yep. And then you see them interacting with the kids. He caught Vernon too. Yeah. Like yeah. So I think anytime he's on the screen, I love it. Super entertaining. So with this, the debut of the De- Lift Shrimp Award, I wanted to do something that's like, all right, we can pick any of the supporting Breakfast Club rat members, but I'm like, you know what? No, Carl was an important part of the movie. Okay. And that's my sixth man. Of the I movie. like it. So it's funny. You and I were thinking the same exact way. Um, I didn't go with any of the kids. Um, I went with their focused anger and resentment at principal or vice principal. Vernon's your sixth Vernon man. Vernon is my sixth man. That's Without cool. Vernon um, like as the main antagonist, right? Like he was a jerk to all of them. And all of them had that in common was they didn't really like what he was doing to them there. Um, and the way he was treating Bender towards the end of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that without without the principal there, without without Principal Vernon there, I don't think this movie would have had the same kind of like uh, effect. All right, Jen? So my guy is Carl. Oh, my God. <laughs> it is Carl. Aww. Only because like I felt like he was such a good, I mean, to all the points that you just made, but I think he was such a good... Um, in between for them because he was also in something that David didn't notice, which I don't know if you don't look too quickly in the oh, opening yes, credits, yes. Um, you see that Carl is a former student at that high school mm-hmm. and he has also been a recipient of the man of the year award. So he was a student that did very well. Ah. Right. And so, and then now he works at the school and he's the janitor, which there's nothing wrong with custodial services. And, you know, he's sort of like this in between, right? Because for Carl, this job is like what puts the money on his table and like yep. whatever. And he's kind of speaking to them to be like, you think that you're better than me, but you don't realize how much power I have over you or behind your back. And then he's like at that middle age. Cause I'm going to assume he's probably like 25. I want to give him, Yeah. I want to give that him, receding hairline. It's okay. It's the eighties. But like, I want to say he's that in between because then he can actually have that conversation with Vernon and talk to him at his level. Like Vernon's not treating him the same way. He's treating him as a peer, not as like, he's not even looking at him because I'm going to assume that Vernon was his vice principal. Yeah. 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 So it's almost like when you think about like, when you go back to your high school, like Leo, right? Like you went back and you know, some teachers and, Things like that, and it's just a totally different dynamic. Yeah, you and it wasn't that long ago. Yeah, it wasn't (laughs) that long ago that you were out of high school, and what, fifteen years ago, maybe. So, yeah, solid, very good, solid, solid. solid. Detlef Shrimp would be proud. Detlef Shrimp would be proud. Very proud. All righty, next up is there's no crying in baseball. (laughs) The moment in the film where you cried or almost cried. I didn't cry. So I don't think I don't have one. You know, so I, I don't. I didn't it cry. resonated emotionally with yes. you. I was going to say, like, there's there were scenes that kind of like hit you just the feels where you're like, damn, there's a lot of stuff here when they're all pouring out their hearts. Mm-hmm. I think Emilio's part specifically when he's talking about like the pressures of his parents, of his dad specifically and like, like the school, what's his expectations? Like, I think like I think Emilio Estevez did a really good job of just speaking to like that kind of like, quote unquote, high school torture. Okay. Um, it reminded me of the uh, James Vanderbeek, I don't want your life <laughs> uh, speech in a uh, varsity that blues. bad movie. But yeah, no, I think Emilio's solo. Jen, do you have one? Um, I think just, I just think when they're having that heart to heart in the middle and they're really starting to understand each other and just, you know, talking about how they feel. And I think, um, I think you can relate because we've all had our own pressures, whether they've been parental, whether they we've put them on ourselves and like you can always you can just relate to that or you can remember what it was like to be back in high school and maybe like, you know, you didn't feel understood or you felt like no one's listening to me or or how do I get out of this? Or maybe, you know, they're going through the motions of the day just to like survive. Right. Because you don't see like life outside of high school 
is so different and Amen. so much yeah. and it gets better because you're in high school and you're in this social atmosphere yeah. but like that in the moment when you're there it yep. feels like the world is ending Absolutely. but when you're out of it you're like all right, I survived that or I'm done with that and I'll never have to go back again. And then like you can still have fond memories of your high school and whatever, but you, you've grown, you've evolved as you should. And, you know, so I think just like that whole heart to heart um, is good. And then I just, you know, I think the fact that at the end of the movie, Brian writes this eloquent essay and he just tells them, this is who you are. However you want to see us, you're going to see us no matter what we say. And this is just... I have a question about the letter and how how um, they get him to write it himself. Like, right? they... But are you asking if do you think he got an A? No, no, no. So I want. So w- when when it was proposed, hey, you should write it for all of us. Did you guys feel like that was a little bullyish kind of yes. right? Yes. Yeah. Like she was like definitely like, hey, you know, maybe you should do our work for us. And like they kind of took advantage of him because he cared so much about doing the schoolwork. Oh, he was like, sure. They absolutely took. Okay, advantage. cool. I thought it was just me. I'm they like, definitely did because okay, they were cool. all like basically like I guess they felt like they could also get away with it because yeah. like at this point they've all had connected he and he wasn't going to say yeah. yeah and like he wasn't going to say no and i also understand for efficiency purposes like why are they do they all have to write five letters i get it that's fair he's not gonna the principal's not gonna read all the letters and he's not gonna count how many no they he's use. probably not even he was probably just gonna toss it and it was just yeah. something that they needed to do to keep them busy essentially so and give them a purpose not read it Oh, I think he read this one ru- letter. He read the one ruin, that would ruin. The and it's like short <laughs> and sweet and so and like to the point. Um, but yeah. And then I I think even in that, like just in that letter, that final letter, he just like. I don't think you know who you, you don't know who you are in high school. Love it. You Agreed. don't know who you are even now. I'm 31 years old and I don't know who I am to a degree. You're still figuring it out. I think yeah. you're figuring it out for the rest of your life, to be honest with you. Jeez, this yep. episode got really deep all of a sudden. I know, right? <laughs> Alrighty. So moving on, the peaks and valleys. Yes. So peaks and valleys, what does that mean? Peaks is who peaked with the Breakfast Club? Who yeah. did not have much of a career after the Breakfast Club? Or if they did, they never hit the heights. Yeah, you're still did. known for Breakfast Club as your number exactly. one thing. Exactly. Yeah. And then valleys who surpassed it who jumped over and had the best career out of anyone else in the movie so best career after the movie we'll start with that you went with so you go with valley first then yes got it so i went with emilio emilio so here's why the mighty ducks yep he's also in coach bombay baby i'm not into this but apparently cult classic young guns you're not into young guns and men at work i'm not the biggest men at work but young guns you know me the film snob does come out here he also directed a awards friendly movie 2006 bobby based on the murder of bobby kennedy and i think molly after this she had pretty in pink all right and i think she kind of just started progressively going lower and lower and lower i don't think she I don't think she peaked with the Breakfast Club. Literally, I think it's a matter of like two years. Yeah. She did. She beat peak, it by two years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. close. It was super people, close. People actually could say, "Oh yeah, I know her from Pretty in Pink." Yes, or I know her for Sixty Candles. Yes, or whatever. So I can't say the Breakfast Club is it for her. Yep. But I think Emilio had. I love that, and he's still directing to this day. So I, I went that. with Emilio for my valley pick love it so Me it's too? funny yeah so like, um when you, we, we started doing the cat the new categories which i freaking love um i figured like right with the um that guy award right and that guy award we're like oh i know this guy from so in valley it means that i know this actor from somewhere else and not breakfast club yep so with with molly ringwald i know her from pretty in pink mm-hmm. not from breakfast club emilio estevez i know as coach bombay she disagreed with me when I said that. I said I think he's more popular as Coach yes, Bombay. Yes. I don't even. I didn't even know. I don't remember his name sometimes, as you saw in this episode. I, I mean, Mighty um, Ducks was like four movies. No, I didn't disagree with you. I thought, I think but he's bigger in, as Coach Bombay. But he had he had done a lot, and then there's also oh, yeah. movies that you haven't seen him yeah. in. So, like for me, like for me, Emilio Estevez, I actually prefer him more in Saint Elmo's Fire. Absolutely. But like for you, for a guy growing up in the 90s, the Mighty Ducks are it for you. And that is what you see. So yes. when you think Emilio Estevez, you're going to think 
Coach Bombay. Absolutely. So like, like so that but, is who it is. But for also, you. keep in mind, Coach Bombay was four movies worth. Three, three movies about worth. to be four, right? So like that. Good point. So that character now has transcended different movies. So bomb, like when you watch the Mighty Duck movies, you're watching it for what was what was the first kid Conroy? What was uh, Charlie Conway? Charlie, and then you see Coach Bombay. Um, but you're right. The, and he's the, coming the, back. But Emilio he's not coming back as Andrew Clark. <laughs> yeah, and but like you're right, Emilio Estevez before this, like his brat, the brat pack entirely. Was like, That's what I was trying to explain to David. Yes. Okay. When we were watching this movie, I was like, you don't understand the Dude. resonance that the brat, the 80s oh brat gosh. pack had. We should probably do in a Yo, separate episode on it. But outsiders? like they had a big prominence during this time. Yes. Dude, the you outsiders. Could, you, could not, you could not create a movie without a member of the brat pack in there. Yeah. If you wanted a box office hit, it was almost like the same thing, right? Like Will Smith was churning out box office hits for yeah. a time in, around the summer like you wanted Absolutely. someone from one of these um totally in one of your movies but yeah but i figured but emilio as far as i'm concerned i know him more for the trilogy <laughs> of the mighty ducks um but yeah he's my valley his career after this jen my valley goes to emilio oh good as well Three-way tie. very good oh nice guys she's um, also a member of the quack pack he He's had he's done a lot. And I think I think it's very easy to say that someone hasn't been successful or has been if they've only done acting. But I think, um, you know, like it's very easy as a celebrity or someone that you admire, like in an acting role in a performance to only see them doing that Fair. because you don't see a lot of the behind the scenes work that goes into what the writing, the producing, mm-hmm. the directing, unless you see like their name come up in the title or whatever it is, you don't realize it. So. Um, he's done all of this and more and he's grown and he, you know, obviously he comes from a famous family and his father yes. has acted. So and glad you like, brought that up. That yeah. is like where the bug came and, and he turned that passion that he got from that legacy into making himself a uh, renaissance man, so to speak. So I feel like he's had yep. one of the best careers while though there were times that maybe were on the quieter side that maybe we didn't mm-hmm. hear everything from him or about him. Um, and so, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing him come back. And I'm glad you brought up like the legacy of like his family too, because like, I mean, not to take anything away from like his dad or his brother, but like he changed his name so that he wouldn't even have like that association with Martin or Charlie. Yep. Right. Like, well, he he kept his name. Well, no, he he kept his actual, he kept his, he he kept his actual name, but he didn't take the sheen Sheen, part of it. Like he went and created his own identity and did pretty well for himself. Agreed. Alrighty, and now Peaks. 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 So, I was going to go with Judd Nelson originally. Okay. But I went with Ali Sheedy. So, yeah. So, she was probably, she was in a lot of things after this. I, she was in Psych. She was in Psych. Yeah. Yeah. But she never he, hit the Breakfast Club fame Fair. ever again. Yeah. Judd Nelson, he was just in like everything. Like movies, TVs. So, it was like a close tie. But I went with uh, Ali Sheedy here. And literally, I went with Judd Very Nelson. Very nice lady, though, I must say. You met her, right? You met yes, Ali Sheedy. We did meet her. Very nice lady. I went with Judd Nelson. Because honestly, like, it's similar to like the that guy word I mentioned. Like, yeah. It's, yeah, with Judd Nelson, like, I, at the end of the day, I do know him specifically from Breakfast Club. Jen? So I'm actually going with Ali Sheedy oh. as well. Um, only because she's, she's worked and she's worked pretty steadily. Um, but nothing that's been like, I feel like the eighties were her main area, but just yeah. because you had the breakfast club, she was in war games. I think that was with Matthew Broderick, if I'm not mistaken. Um, oh, reindeer games was Affleck. Matthew right? Broderick. Yeah. yeah. So war games, like that was one of her first films. Then she was breakfast club, St. Elmo's fire. And then she was in short circuit. In oh, two, nice. in one and two, and then made to order. Obviously, one of my favorites. <laughs> and then after that, it was like a few cameos. She was in Home Alone two as a cameo. She was, yeah. Um, and then you know, like she's she's done little things consistently, but nothing to the same sphere. I will say though, anytime I find her like on screen or come up, I'm always really excited to yeah, watch. Especially yeah. like Psych. Like she had a whole. She's done a lot of TV. She was like the main villain in it. Right? Yeah, she yeah. was the main villain for a bunch of seasons, and then they brought her. I think it was four seasons, yeah, and then they it, ended yeah. up bringing her back for something else. So like. I've enjoyed, but I agree. Like, I don't think her, the career has been in the same trajectory mm-hmm. as the other ones. Yep. All righty. So let's 
find let's finish up our new categories with the you want to what's her name leo <laughs> the uh the becky o'shea award i don't, I don't like that I, I have a better one the becky o'shea the, award the icebox award the icebox what's award the icebox award the mvp of the film who was your number one standout of the film i actually am going to cheat and just say the entire breakfast oh club. you stink i I don't know. I can't really. None of them really stood out as a better Boom. performance as the others, to be honest with you. Pick a favorite child. I can't. <laughs> Honestly, I could. That's I the could, right answer. What for oh, future? I, oh, yeah. you can't pick. All right, future future children of you David may and Jenny. Secretly have a favorite child internally, <laughs> but you only voice that internally or to me, but not when they're around. Listen, Good future children of David and Jenny. So There's cheat. a favorite child. So I'll <laughs> cheat and say they were both. All four were equal. Were Fantastic. All five. Yeah, I was like, four. Fantastic. Wait a second. That's like, you just yeah. cut one out. <laughs> you <laughs> did pick favorites. Who was the one that you forgot? Say it. No. No. <laughs> I'm not going to say that. So, no, I go with all. I think all five were equally blah, blah, great. In there. I couldn't blah, pick one, honestly. Blah. Like, well, spoiler alert, we're doing one on Heat in a week or two. Yes. Time, and trust me, I already have my okay. icebox for that one. Cool. And who do you have? So, unlike you, uh, I'm going to pick it. It's Bender. It is Bender. That's Bender. Jenny's going with Bender, too. Bender. So, we can talk about it at the same time. Uh, my choice is Bender he, as the MVP of this He movie. literally is the reason they all start talking to each other. Yeah. Like, he starts picking on people. He starts talking to everybody. He's he starts annoying everybody. If he wasn't in that room, so his none of them would talk to each other. His obnoxious obnoxiousness made him your MVP? Well, well, no, with, without, because he's bringing yeah. it out of all of them he's like the to talk. He is the catalyst. If he wasn't in there to stir up that room, yep. I agree with Leo. A lot of They wouldn't have talked. They would have probably spent most of the day quiet because Alec... <laughs> Ali Sheedy's character would have been quiet. Yep. Emilio just wanted to get it over with. And if anything, maybe he would talk to Claire. Maybe. Maybe. Yes. Because they sat at the same table. But like, and he went there to that table especially because yep. it was another table on the other side that was completely empty in front of Brian. And he yep. went with her because it's natural to go immediately with your click, click yeah. anyway. And so I agree. Like Bender was, and then I felt like you could see so much, like you could see him being like the acting a fool and being like the comedian making all these jokes and then you would see when he would get serious about yes. something especially the scene when, Remember when he sacrificed his himself dad, like, like, as far as like getting caught too he did that too like he ran around like he i think you saw a different range of emotion in okay i'll go with bender all Definitely. throughout <laughs> there you go. i'll go with bender too he's your favorite child he's my favorite child now yeah, no, it's funny because I, 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 as I rewatched it, right, because I, I, obviously this movie's iconic. We all grew up with it. Well, most of us grew up with it. David saw it a little later. Um, no, like I, 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 I fail to recognize how integral Bender really is. Like even like when they took the little screw out of the door and started messing with the principal. Yeah. Like everything he did, if you take him, if you take Brian out, the movie's the same. If you, take, if you take Andrew out, maybe, I, th- I would say maybe co-MVP but you can't have this movie without Bender they wouldn't have smoked without him either like they all got high (laughs) okay he wouldn't have gotten anything there also I was like how many jackets do you need because he had like that wool coat (laughs) then the denim then the flannel and then the white tea under that's Jen in the winter yo we Um, should so do that for Halloween though we should we need a group breakfast no we need a group to do that I'm in I'm so in who would I be you could pick it I'll let you have first dibs you guys, this is your show. So if I, you're gonna I, I be quippy, take, you would be Bender. You should take Bender. Your personality is Bender. You grow out your hair again, Bender. Be quick. Alrighty. So that brings us to the legacy and final thoughts. Uh, I pretty much have like in my notes, legacy wise, I think it's I mentioned earlier one of the most important movies of the '80s, and I think it still holds merit today because this. I think it does a good, great job of showing, despite them being in different cliques, different personalities. In high school, despite the fact that we not may not hang out with the same people, we all have issues and doubts that need to be let out rather than be kept inside. Nice, so. nice. And final thoughts? It's still a great movie. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think you. That was pretty well put. Um, it's funny because like the, the more we talk about other Brat Pack movies, 
other teenage coming of age movies like this was like the trendsetter this was like the the ensemble cast because pretty in pink i would say is mainly it's about her molly ringwald's character ducky too um the love triangle there it's three but this was all of them like uh yeah i i think it's one it's definitely an awesome movie to rewatch it it aged overall pretty well because high school is high school speaking of um pretty in pink you know why john hughes didn't we don't talk about John Hughes directing Pretty in Pink because he didn't direct Pretty in Pink. He only wrote it. Oh. So that's that's where I uh, messed up on a direction part before. Gotcha. Jen? Um, no, I think The Breakfast Club is iconic. I think it it's, like Leo said, like it's, it's re... Um, it's influenced a lot. You know, I remember there's even a lot of TV shows. Like I remember a, a really distinct Dawson's Creek episode that like they get Saturday detention and yep. they're like similar breakfast club tropes. So like I think when something like that, um, it continues to have that cultural um, re- resonance. It's really important. Um, it's definitely a movie that I plan to show my kids. I think it's also within reason to say that like some of the stuff they might just be like, oh, mom, this is kind of dated or whatever. But I think no matter what in 20 years or 15 years, whenever it is that I have kids and that we, our kids are in high school, I think no matter what the the core theme of this movie, despite, despite what the lingo might change or the clothing or the backdrop, like it will still be there because I feel like nothing really changes from high school. Like I feel like you can always relate. It's still the same societal classes that they are, no matter what we do to be more diverse or more whatever, it's still, there's always something there. Um, so, you know, I look forward to doing that. And so, um, yeah, just iconic. Perfect way to end it. All right, guys. Well, so what'd you think? The new awards, what do you think? Oh, actually, I do have one other note. Do you think, so like we're talking about, I'm talking about our future kids, right? But Gen Z now, right? Like these kids like with... Like there's cell phones, even though we have cell phones and we grew up with it, but yeah. not as much like now cell phones are everything. Do you think like you could sit them down and really have them watch this movie? So I'm glad you asked this. Do you guys remember watching 21 Jump Street? The movie? Or yes, the, show? the movie, yeah. the movie, the yeah. movie. So remember when like when Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill first get to that new high school, right? They're walking through the parking lot okay, and yeah. they recognize that there's still clicks. Yeah. They're different from the high schools that they went to, right? You figure the jocks were in power back when they went to school, but now it's more like these like pseudo geeky people that are in power. Like yeah. vegan is cool, but it's still the same mentality. There's still cliques mm-hmm. that rule other cliques. There's still outcasts. So I think even Gen Z, they may think like they may think that Claire is like the the alpha. That oh, this kind of fits our thing. Or they may I mean, back then, the influencer, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, th- I think that they'll still understand that. Yeah, high school is still one of those things where it's like you want to fit in, you want to find your group. It might be the fact that they might identify with Brian being the cool one because he's a dork and does his schoolwork. But I think they'll still get it. Yeah. You perfect. Anything. I'm good. <laughs> so yeah, so I think these awards were fun. I had so fun. Like, yeah. We'll have to do it again for our next reel it back. For when sure. We look at the twentieth. Fifth anniversary of an underrated gem, <laughs> Michael Mann's Heat. Until then, see you at the movies, kids. Later, guys.